A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bombas socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Tom Shattuck's Burn Barrel. Tom and Alice's Burn Barrel. I'm sorry, Alice. I'm sure you have top building there. <laughs> so I am still, I'm sorry, I'm still buzzing off of the Beatles documentary. Both of us are, I think. That I think has so, yeah. blown our minds. Except, and I just wrote a finish the Substack, and then Alice showed me this incredible thing this morning on Anthony Fauci. The stuff that he said... First of all, it, it, the the idea that he was on CBS for an hour and ten minutes in an interview is unbelievable. I was joking Friday when we were talking about the new uh, Comrex Nine um, variant that's coming, whatever it's called, Omicron. <clears throat> right. Um, that that we were going to have a um, that he would be hitting all the shows. Uh, kind of joking, but he's done it. He's hit all the shows, of course. And why, how does this guy have an hour and nine minutes? It's like, what, is this? Did Peter Jackson do this documentary too? Yeah. No, but it's never just his, before seen uncut. Anthony Fauci. Yeah, it's just, it's just what this guy does. That's what he is. He's a TV star, and he is getting. We've noticed this from the beginning. He is getting way the hell over his skis. He has become the madman we thought we he would. Senator Cruz told the Attorney General you should be prosecuted. Yeah. <laughs> I have to laugh at that. <laughs> I should be prosecuted. What happened on January 6th, Senator? Do you think uh, that, that part of the public health <laughs> official? I mean, what's the... <clears throat> what does that accomplish other than... I mean, and he spends a good portion of this interview complaining about mm. politicization and the fact that he can't believe how it's all become so political and divisive. What is that if not political and divisive? Uh, yes. It, He's creating not division. <clears throat> not only that, but who funds his operation? Is it the United States Congress? <laughs> 
I mean, taxpayers. I would, uh, yeah. I'm, how dare this piece of crap? He is such a little a-hole. It is arrogant piece of... It's incredible. It's incredible. But he feels now, he feels that he's he's got now the juice to be able to, you know, throw a jab here and there. Because I'm Anthony Fauci, and I know, and I'm a really important person. It's all gone to this the tiny man's head. And it's this is crazy. And, the, and where is, by the way, who's this woman, Brennan? Margaret Brennan. <clears throat> uh, Margaret, feel free to follow up on that unbelievable statement, by the way. <laughs> I know. Get back here. Incredible. <laughs> I have to laugh at that. <laughs> I should be prosecuted. What happened on January 6th, Senator? <laughs> Do you think that this is about making you a scapegoat? Shut up, Margaret. You don't move off of that. Yeah. You stay on January 6th. If he wants yeah. to talk about what that, you, you find every damn thing yeah. that he wants to talk about. What do you January- mean, Dr. Fauci? What about January 6th? What right. are you trying to say about January 6th? Exactly. Who should be prosecuted for right. that? Exactly. Who? What? Because I think we're prosecuting a lot of people over January 6th. But, Is he saying Ted Cruz should be prosecuted yes, of course. for January 6th? And, but but the, the idea that she's now leading him away from the heat just shows you what the media is about. Because right now she's thinking the plan is to show how bad Republicans and Americans are for complaining about the coronavirus and this and that, this and that, and that was beside the point. Like, what, what? No, no, he's now he's talking about January sixth stuff. That's not part of what we're trying to convey. They've already they know what they want to convey with him already, mm-hmm. and that means that you and I are in trouble for something, and most of Americans are in trouble for something. We need to shut up and listen to the good doctor. So they have him for an hour and nine minutes to deflect of course. from President Trump. Of course. You have to be asleep not to figure that one out. Well, there. Let me get back here a little bit. <laughs> of course. They think that this is about making you a scapegoat to deflect from President Trump. Of course. You have to be asleep not to figure that one out. Well, they- I don't get that. Um, President she- Trump, how is he involved in this conversation? Because they have nothing left to talk about. If no, but I, I don't get what, what is her thinking? That's a, they, that they're trying to 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 get attention, distract President Trump. What does that have to do with anything? Because I think they're. I think what what she's trying to say is that Republicans blame Fauci for stuff related to the public health response to COVID because they want to distract from the fact that Trump really screwed up the public health response to COVID. Or is or is it that they're only criticizing him? Because they want to cover up for January 6th and rather put attention on this. I I guess that's what she's probably saying. It seems insane, but okay. There are a lot of Republican senators uh, taking aim at this. I mean, that's okay. I'm just going to do my job and I'm going to be saving lives and they're going to be lying. It seems another layer of danger. Okay, madman. That seems like a very well adjusted normal thing to say. Exactly. And to me, that's that's unbelievably bad because all I want to do is save people's lives. I mean, anybody who's looking at this carefully realizes that there's a distinct anti-science flavor to this. So if they get up and criticize science, nobody's going to know what they're talking about. But if they get up and really aim their bullets at Tony Fauci, well, people could recognize there's a person there. So it's easy to criticize. But they're really criticizing science. Right. Because I represent science. No, no, no. <laughs> that's dangerous. To me, that's more dangerous than the slings and the arrows that get thrown at me. And if you damage science, 
you are doing something very detrimental to society long after I leave. This madman, wow, he is a madman. That is remarkable to me. Somebody's been damaging science, but it's uh, not the people who criticize Anthony Fauci. He's been more... I mean, this is actually like a worry that I have is that, you know, part of what's Do we expect to be here, seeing more lockdowns again, new lockdowns, more mandates? You know, I don't know, George. It's really too early to say. We just really need to, as I've said so often, prepare for the worst. Do we expect George, it's not in my purview to lock down industries and um, in town centers, uh, you know, in playgrounds. That -hmm. could also be his answer. That's up to the president. Right. But this guy is the president now, which is the effing problem. I mean, it shouldn't be in the president's purview to lock down playgrounds either. So another thing that he went off about in this Margaret Brennan interview is he was talking about, well, he talked about how dangerous it is that people criticize him because he stands for science. Um, But he also talked about he thinks like the worst thing, the most dangerous thing that happened that was so destructive during COVID was not just people criticizing Anthony Fauci, but also that Trump allowed different states to have their own responses, including he said that some governors put out executive orders saying you shouldn't wear a mask, which and she goes, Florida. And he goes, "Mm -hmm." like, like, (laughs) I mean, like. Nobody in Florida or anywhere ever put out public health guidance saying that you shouldn't wear a mask. The closest thing to that was Fauci telling people last March not to wear masks because he wanted them for healthcare workers. She pressed him a little bit on that, too. And he got a little miffed that she questioned him about the saying masks don't work last year thing. Um, How can you possibly have a situation where one state says, oh, I'm sorry, you shouldn't be wearing a mask. In fact, you have executive orders saying you shouldn't be wearing a mask. You have another state that does not want to get vaccinated because they think it's a political statement. One whole state, one whole state just doesn't want to get vaccinated. (laughs) That's not a thing. And if it were a thing, I mean, it's nobody, no governor put out an executive order saying people shouldn't wear masks. That's remarkable. By the people who are in the hospitals. Remarkable. There wasn't an adequate stockpile. There wasn't an adequate stockpile. So that's where it was the not well, pushed for people to wear masks. And then the thing that was the real clincher, for sure. Why wasn't there a stockpile, Fauci? Well, which one of you geniuses and all the hundreds of thousands of well, people? Well, she actually asked, asked him this. Was the realization that you may be standing next to somebody, talking to them, they have no symptoms, and they're infecting you right now. Mm-hmm. This idea, which was getting back to the incorrect flu model, which was clearly originally extrapolated to COVID, now it's clear it is not the right model, is that in a flu season, there's a very, very brief window before you get symptoms that you could transmit it. But you don't have people who go through the entire flu and, 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 and don't get symptoms. So COVID is very different from flu in many respects. I point some of these specific things out because they don't, they're not political. These were public health mistakes. Right. That's almost scarier. Well, you know, I, I think it, to, to defend <laughs> the CDC, if I could for a moment, is that one can say something is a mistake because you know now data now that you didn't know then. So technically, 
it really is a mistake. But, but, then, if you but had, then if you look at the news reports, I mean, you look at doctors in China in hospital wards in hazmat suits. Right. And we're talking about putting a mask on your face as being ridiculous at the time. I mean, it just, in hindsight, it looks so but, obvious that we were not up to the challenge here right. in getting ahead with She's the, trying to find a nice way to say it right. <laughs> she doesn't want to attack the science yeah. shocking isn't it well you're you're right in saying that but let's get back to the hazmat suit because i'd like to respectfully just correct you for a moment <laughs> <Go ahead. laughs> is that hazmat suits were used by people who were taking care of sick individuals mm -hmm. you didn't see too many people in china wearing hazmat suits walking down the street. No, in hospitals. They were wearing hospitals. masks, yeah, in hospitals. And we, and- And, and our and, doctors didn't have adequate care when well, they needed in, it. In the very beginning, we didn't have, it's not that we didn't realize you should wear them. It was that we didn't have enough PPE oh, right. in hmm. the beginning. But my point was, isn't that a warning? Yeah. Yeah. When the, you see it. Margaret, like I said- <coughs> Hits everything the moment, but the bullseye. There was the scientific, uh, approach, preparedness and response, and the public health preparedness mm -hmm. and response. I find it interesting that I'm here responsible for this and trying to defend this. <laughs> no, I think you're just, you're America's doctor, yeah. Dr. Well, Fauci. America's so doctor, everyone oh looks to you to explain well, it all. Well, that's true, and I try to explain it to the best of my ability, but there are some things <laughs> This that is I not the ass-kissing he is coming for. here for. Maybe yeah, I no. would have done them differently if I were responsible for them, but... If I'm not responsible for them, you want to talk about vaccines? Wow. That's what I did. <laughs> <laughs> what Just to check. button that up. Why aren't we having a national conversation about what went wrong? I mean, apart from this room right now, why isn't there a 9-11 type commission? Yeah, I think what's going to happen is that- you Why would you ask him that, that question, you dumb cop? Sure, Margaret. <laughs> I think the, the lack of doing that now is because you're focusing on getting this thing under control. I would be astounded if we didn't have a very serious look at what went right, what went wrong from a public health standpoint, from a local standpoint, from a global standpoint. I don't think that the public should imagine that this is going to go through with already 760,000 Americans dying and 40 plus million at least being infected, close to 6 million people globally dying and we're not going to look back at this and tear it apart, examine it, do an autopsy on it, and try and figure out. So people should not think that that's not going to happen. It's not happening now because everybody's focused. Margaret, on ask another question. Step on this on idiot's control. answer, please. But Jesus. you want one. Oh, I absolutely want one. He also and gave her a really hard time about will, saying will. it didn't come from the wet market. Oh, really? Yeah. Where is that in it? Do you know? Uh, pretty. It's when will later. We see that? I think. Yeah, I think once. And said, we but, had this um, devastating plague out there that were killing hundreds of thousands of Americans. And we're having public health principles. But yeah, he doesn't like having the basis to defend anything ideology. Anthony Fauci's done. I he mean, doesn't like that at all. When I give my history of it, that's going to be the number one mistake <clears throat> that supersedes all the other things that we're talking about. Public health is often politicized. Though. I mean, you know yeah. that so well from your experience yeah. with AIDS. What was the chief lesson you brought into dealing with COVID from? Shut up. Uh, why isn't it just assumed that it's SARS-CoV-1, which means it doesn't transmit very well and it's going to get, things don't get pointed to them. They probably first time that you heard that 
there was something. We got that information. Information She's such the terrible and interviewer, and this is an hour. Public health is a respiratory illness that can spread even before someone is so sick that you want to keep them in bed. Right. You were describing I COVID. My, my worst nightmare that I've been asked about. <clears throat> I can't. Yeah. He's terrible. He's just toxic. And the fact that we're still like trotting him out here to do interviews like this and people are listening to him is incredible to me. I can't believe they have him on anymore. No. Because, because I mean, like what happened to Jake Tapper not wanting to have lying liars on, you know, like he's so toxic and terrible. Like having him on TV is bad for America. I totally agree. I totally agree. In he, the, 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 the idea that he sat down for an hour and nine minutes to talk all about himself, but not to take any heat whatsoever. Yeah, not to ask, was, not hard questions. He can throw shade at Republicans for lying or for January 6th or for whatever, but, it, you know, it, and like you said, like out over his skis, like on what planet is that what we want Anthony Fauci out there talking about? Yeah, no, it is. Uh, I mean, and now with this new, we you've we've been sending to each other over the weekend these new studies, which also showed um, that for certain and certain studies that vaccinated people were getting it uh, just as easy as unvaccinated people. Um. Oh wait, wait. Sorry, we're not to say that, are we? <laughs> <clears throat> is there anything to ban us off of? I don't know, but um, I. So I mean, I don't know what the truth is anymore. It, this, this, what I'm seeing from. I think the vaccines are pretty effective, especially at preventing serious illness, hospitalization, death, which is what you want, right? Like, um, and and I think they clearly reduce your likelihood of getting sick or transmission. I mean, I that that seems incontrovertible to me. I have not seen strong evidence for how useful boosters are, frankly. And and so, like, I think they're way out ahead of any kind of science on that, particularly. I, I don't see that as being a very necessary thing. Um, and, and, I mean, obviously, we don't know about this new Omicron, Omicron variant. Um, but, it, I mean, it's... It's the same. It's the same thing. Like other diseases, we haven't gone through this where we're like, oh, there's this variant and that variant. I mean, I know there's like different types of flu, right? Like flu A and flu B or whatever. But you know, the, in general, we're not doing this level of surveillance on diseases. It's only because we're like looking at this so closely that we're even talking about like variants of concern, right? Right. It's not like normally we haven't. You know, in past pandemics, like the 1918 flu pandemic, they weren't doing this level of microbiology and weren't sequencing different variants and whatever. So it wasn't in the news that way. I mean, I think you're going to see, I think there is obviously going to be a big wave through the fall and winter up here um, of cases, at least. But but you're unlikely to see the levels of hospitalizations and deaths and stuff that we saw previously. So, like, Marty McCary, uh, MD, is somebody who I've been listening to who talks sanely. And he's been – he was just on Barry Weiss's podcast. He just tweeted out, With Omicron, therapeutics are once again missing from the COVID conversation. Molnu Paravir <coughs> – sorry – and Paxlovid – both block a virus replication and thus work across variant strains. Fluvoxamine, 
acts on a common inflammatory pathways, so would logically work with Omicron infections as well. Sounds good to me. He's a guy saying there are other options as well. Right. And like, I just need to hear this a little bit more. It's like, it's so, it's so, uh, I've heard these, this is more Marty McCary. I've heard these, <clears throat> there's a modern day McCarthyism in science whereby researchers who question certain sacred cow assumptions using the scientific method are bullied by their universities and worry about their future NIH funding. I could see that as well, mm -hmm. especially with that psychotic at the <laughs> top of the NIH. Well, right. So, I mean, it's the same thing. We're getting better therapeutics, obviously. I mean, I think the vaccine is a good thing. But, you know, it. if you prefer therapeutics for whatever reason, mm -hmm. then fine. But there's this is not the emergency that it once was, right? Like, kids are not really at risk of this. And they're trying to make it a thing now. She asked him in that interview, like... But toddlers can't be vaccinated. Once the toddlers are vaccinated, then can we get back to normal? Like, no, we're done with this conversation. It doesn't matter whether or not toddlers are vaccinated. They're at almost no risk from this thing. It's not like the flu for them. It's not like RSV for them. For whatever reason, they get it very, very mildly. <clears throat> and, and, and it's well past time now to just get back to normal. Like, Ron DeSantis had it right. His state was very highly vaccinated. They had a wave. It wasn't as bad as it had been previously. Although there is some indication that they had higher deaths in Florida than some other places did. Like Hawaii had a really big wave, but they didn't have as many hospitalizations and deaths. So it could be that um, they're saying Florida's numbers might have been impacted by snowbirds. Like people got vaccinated in Florida that didn't actually live in Florida. So it makes Florida's vaccination numbers look higher than they are. But um in any case, whatever the reason is, Florida did have like a pretty bad wave in the summer. They're not going to have one now. You know, the, some states in New England, I don't think are going to get as bad in terms of hospitalizations and deaths as they did in previous years, just because the more at risk people now are more highly vaccinated. But um, but there are a lot of states like in the upper Midwest where they aren't as vaccinated and they're going to have waves. I mean, Vermont's having a wave and Vermont's really vaccinated. But, you know, it. the idea isn't that nobody ever gets COVID. The idea is that everybody's probably going to get COVID now, but, um, you know, that you're not going to get it badly. Right? Right. Right. That So that's still the, the, the one of the truths we know. Mm -hmm. Is that the vaccine... Um, which isn't, I guess, really a vaccine. Can we? It is a vaccine. Okay, it is. Okay, but how come everybody can get sick still after the vaccine? It reduces your risk. Okay. You can get sick. Okay, it's a vaccine that doesn't prevent you from getting the thing that it's vaccine for. Well, but it prevents that's you from true. Dying. That's true of every vaccine, though. That's true of every vaccine. When you get like the chickenpox vaccine, you can still get chickenpox. It just reduces the chances. Right? Right. So, like, in the original study, when they did the study of the vaccine, it reduced your chances of getting it by 95%. So, like, they had whatever they had, you know, 20,000 people in one group and 20,000 people in another group. And half in the one group of 20,000 had gotten the vaccine and they got, you know, 20 times fewer covid cases in that group but they still got there were still covid cases in that group 
But that's that's what they mean when they say it's 95% effective. It's not, I mean, there's no vaccine, that, there's no anything that's 100% effective, right? right. Everything's, a, everything's, you know, percent chance of something happening, right? So you reduce the percent chance. So I have read places that Omicron is not a, as severe a strain. I don't think they know that much about what the deal is with Omicron yet. I, I don't think there's that much information out about it. They could barely decide what to name it until right. like yesterday. Right, they couldn't name it new virus because people would think it would be new. And you. Right. People would think it would be new as in just got here. Right. And then they couldn't name it um, Xi, you know which, what? Is, which looks like Xi, like President Xi from China. So right. They thought that was too confusing. So, so they skipped over to Omicron. But... Um, yeah, I I don't think they know much about the Omicron variant yet, but I mean, like, there's going to keep being variants and there's going to keep being waves and the press needs to stop reporting on this. We also need to stop breathlessly reporting numbers of COVID cases. Right. Because, like, we don't do that for flu or anything else. We don't, like, they they estimate the number of flu cases every year by, like, by guessing, essentially, like what they're seeing out there. They do an estimate after the flu season's over to like figure out how many flu cases there have been and flu deaths. They don't do it this way where we like count every test up that's ever done for flu and then add them all together. You know, we just don't like we don't do that for any other illness. This kind of real time number of cases reporting is dangerous. And it also needs to go away because we need to encourage more like people just doing tests at home these rapid tests, you know, like where you just, you know, have a, I don't know what you do if you like put your saliva on a test strip or something (laughs) and it turns color to tell you if you have COVID or not. But we need to have like better at home testing so people don't have to like go into these places and to test all the time (laughs) and have it reported to the government because like i for one would never get COVID tested for that exact reason is because i don't want some government worker calling me to tell me to quarantine right well and another thing we need to stop doing is but they're never going to stop doing it because the media loves COVID. is (laughs) panicking and and reporting on in t- uh, intensive ICU beds. Right. I mean, that they don't been... understand ICU no. beds at all, and it's annoying. <clears throat> and also, when we talk about how many ICU beds there are, I think something that gets uh, confusing to people is they'll be like, we have like only, whatever, 90, we're at 90% capacity on our ICU beds. Well, first of all, hospitals don't walk around trying to be empty. They're trying right. to... Have, use up their capacity so they're they normally run mostly full right because they want to have course. but an icu bed isn't literally a bed or literally a room either an icu bed is just means like how many people you can hold capacity wise a big function of which is uh, your healthcare workers and how many of them you have and if you didn't lay them all off last year because you stopped doing elective procedures and you couldn't afford to keep your hospital staff during a health crisis mm-hmm. or whether it's because you've decided to do crazy vaccine mandates that are going to result in a bunch of hospital workers being fired now governor Hochul in new york is canceling elective surgeries again because of omicron variant and the rise in cases and now like i mean like first of all how do governors even have the power to be like we're canceling your surgery how is that a thing 
Uh, I don't know. <laughs> How is it a thing where you can be signed up to do a surgery at the hospital <laughs> with your doctor? You know, like, if you know, I thought Democrats were all for us getting to keep our doctors and keeping things between you and your doctor, and it's not the government's job. Well, apparently it is. Apparently, governors can just come in and say, you know what, we're canceling surgery now. Listen to a little Who bit. Knew? This is a little bit of my guy Marty McCary. This is right before Thanksgiving. Well, first of all, I disagree with what he said. He said Talking the only Fauci. way to enjoy yourself is to be vaccinated. There's 140 million Americans with natural immunity and it's mm-hmm. more effective than vaccinated immunity according to the data. Look, you never hear that. You never hear that. Fauci and Walensky have been telling us that the boosters and the vaccines are better. Yeah, and they're not. Right, but they absolutely lie about this crap constantly. Mm-hmm. They want a simplified one-size-fits-all strategy. Uh, it's good for marketing. It's good for simplifying the message. But boosters are not supported by the data for young people. They're not supported for those with natural immunity. And that's why the FDA experts voted them <clears throat> down for everybody by a 16-2 to 2 vote just eight weeks ago before the FDA tried a second push by not convening them. Look, I think people... Sh- I mean, that's remarkable. Is right. it not? Yeah, it's incredible. What a freaking ruse this is. Yeah, the whole thing's a mess. They are making podcasters, contemporaries like Joe Rogan and me. Mm-hmm. Alice? Yeah? I would say we probably have a few more uh, subscribers. I think so. They're making podcasters like Joe Rogan and me start to feel like extremists here because I have zilch faith in these people now. Mm-hmm. I, be- I the moment... Fauci enters a conversation. I have a feeling in my mind that I'm watching fiction. Should enjoy Thanksgiving. Uh, for those who are high risk, for those who are adults with no immunity of any kind, they're the ones who are susceptible and they need to be super careful. But for everyone else, they should enjoy, they should feel good about their immunity. If you look at the data, one in 26,000 vaccinated people will get hospitalized and the average age is 73 of that one person. You know, doctor, I'm so glad that you brought up the high risk folks, the people that are vulnerable, because every time I do a segment like this, it's like, oh, he's trying to kill people. <laughs> I want to protect those people. So how do we do that? Well, look, if you've got some vulnerable folks, ven- ventilation is important, fans, windows that are open, a little distancing. Uh, it, that's always been the case. But we've, we've failed as a country to accept that the risk of COVID is radically different in different groups, in young people, in people with natural immunity, in people who are healthy, and in people who are obese. We've never truly stratified that risk, and instead we've chosen these indiscriminate blanket recommendations and policies. And if you look around the country right now, the Southeast is doing terrific. They're basically at endemic levels. And in Minnesota and other places, they're dealing with an active Delta wave right now since they didn't have their Delta wave before. Doctor, still a lot of... uh pushback on uh, either getting a vaccine or taking COVID tests. We just found out that in in Memphis, the Grizzlies are allowing fans back into the stadium. You don't need to be vaccinated or a negative COVID test. How smart is that? Well, look, the um, SEC football games were studied in a formal uh, publication that came out in our top medical journal, and it found essentially no transmission in these events. And I think the thing again and again that we have to remind ourselves is, is that the risk of transmission is primarily an indoor phenomena among at-risk people, that's adults with a comorbid condition who have no immunity. Yeah. There Just we go. Smart. That's Marty McCarran from Fox Thanks News. Thanks so much, doctor. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that 
I think that it's a really great point that has gotten lost, like how different the risk is for different groups of people and that that should impact our decision making. I find it incredible. I find it incredible that essentially the only place where anybody's really required to wear masks all the time anymore is little kids. That's who's required to wear masks all the time. And a big study just came out. Um, I want to say that it's in England, but hang on, cause, but maybe I'm just thinking that because the article was from The Guardian, that this is exposing, that this is um, damaging little kids mentally, this not exposing them to human faces at a young age. And um, I can't find the stupid article that I sent here. It's Daily Mail. Sorry. Daily Mail. Um, so they did a bunch of cognitive tests on little kids and uh, they showed that between 2018 and 2021, there was a 23% decrease in in kids' cognitive abilities, kids that were born in 2018 and 2019. So that's incredible. I mean, like, they cut their mental development of babies by a quarter. Can you say that again? 23% drop in scores measuring kids' intelligence. From 2018 to 2021. Do we, do we have that? Can you send it to us? Yeah, I did. <clears throat> it's in our articles. Sorry, I was <clears throat> So they did. That is Alice. Mm-hmm. That is itself a crisis. Brown University scientists penned the review in conjunction with global consulting firm Resonance, collecting data from 1,600 children and their caregivers who were enrolled in the study between the ages of zero and five on a rolling basis. So you can see the cognitive scores starting in here from like 2011, I think is the first one. And they kind of, they hang out around 100 composite T-score up, down, do, 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 do. And then starting in 2019, they drop off and they're now down to 77. So they were 100 in 2018 and now they're down. So they, the researchers analyzed a thousand assessments administered on 600 kids before March 2020 when the COVID lockdowns and masking began. Then they did another 154 assessments from 118 kids between March 2020 and June 2021. So, and they're thinking that part, and so this is a, a learning composite number that they put mm-hmm. together based on their fine motor skills. So that's their like ability to do little tasks, visual reception, receptive and expressive language. And it's like what they essentially call the equivalent to an IQ for like ba- right. for babies. Right. So that they can see like how they're developing and whatever. So the verbal development quotient, so that's how much they talk right dropped from an average of 100 in 2018 to 90 in 2020 and 70 in 2021 the nonverbal development quotient dropped uh, from a score of 105 in 2019 to 100 in 2020 and 80 in 2021 jesus so it one of the things they say in the study that masks worn in public settings in schools and daycares may impact a range of early development skills such as attachment facial processing and social emotional processing well, <laughs> I mean, guess who, knew? Does it. who knew that kids seeing faces and, and I was go important? Back to something that Sorry, we... New York Times, about your right. article where you said that, well, blind kids develop attachments too. Like, yeah, we know, but obviously, like, it requires more. I don't know. It's incredible. It's incredible. I can't believe we're still masking little kids all day. Yeah. I oh, know it's remarkable. And I want to go back to something we hit at the time, something that I actually broke that was eventually uh, picked up by the patch of Melrose. 
from last year. The pandemic appears to have taken a to- last month. The pandemic mm-hmm. has taken a toll on the mental health of students, particularly multiracial, genderqueer, and LGBTQ ones. Um, a quarter of all Melrose High and middle school students reported their mental health was not mo- good most of or all of the time. Once again, this is not broken under genderqueer or, or uh, LGBTQ. A quarter of all Melrose High and middle school students reported their mental health was not good most of or all of the time due to the pandemic, with that number exploding to 82% among genderqueer high school students who have other emotional things going on, I would say, mm-hmm. and 57% under genderqueer queer middle school students. Great. By the way, Ace's job cultivating this whole new universe of stuff for these kids, uh, adults. In the high school, 44% of female and 38% of multiracial students reported similar struggles. In the middle school, 33% of female and 35% of most multiracial students. Um, depending on the grade, as many as 21% of students seriously considered taking their own life in the last 12 months. <clears throat> That seems not good, I would say. Yes. The same was true of students who wanted to purposely hurt themselves at least once uh, without wanting to die. 9% of high school and 10% of middle school students uh, uh, ever, and in the last 12 months, respectively, report reported planning how they would commit suicide. That number skyrocketed to 43% amongst and, uh, genderqueer and LGBT students, 39% amongst genderqueer. Asian middle school students, students, just in case you think anybody's being left off the table here. Asian middle school students, 26%, and multiracial middle school students, 22%, and high school, 17% students also reported planning how they would commit suicide. Yay! How's the fun bucolic town of Melrose? We're going to have a sleigh Wait, ride so this year and, implica- and Christmas trolleys. Everything's fine. Everything's going <laughs> great. Is the implication by breaking out the Asian students that, like, Trump's racism... <clears throat> Made I assume it so. Harder for them or something because I would think that like it's incredible that you know it's not a lack of acceptance of like diverse ethnicities or like gender identities in Melrose that's making right. the kids want right. to kill themselves. No. There's not a lack no. of. No, it's that they have changed normality upside down. Seven percent of students reported having attempted suicide, huh? With the most attempts coming in the tenth and eleventh grade. Attempted suicides were disproportionately high among... I know they're trying to f- show the disparities and the inequities and all this <laughs> stuff, but you can just stop with 7% of students uh, report having committed Yeah, that's bad enough suicide, as it is. Attempted. The suicide levels are higher this year than the last pre-pandemic survey, in some cases, even twice as high. Huh. What I, could it be? I don't know. I don't know. Uh, uh, could it be super spreader events? Uh, DeSantis? Yeah, DeSantis did it. One student thinking about harming themselves is one too many. Longtime administrator Patricia White Lambright said, the hyphenated name tells me all I need to know. <laughs> yeah, so they're not going to change it was what's going on. It's a crisis that isn't specific to Melrose. A 2018 equity and equality survey, keep doing your equity and equality surveys, found that 48% of Massachusetts LGBTQ Youth have considered suicide. Does that maybe mean there's a severe mental health problem in the LGBTQ community? Is that maybe something that we should look at, even though it's forbidden to say anything, that maybe some of the things we're doing 
in and around the community are not working the way we thought they were. Right. Maybe not catering to somebody's mental health issue with permanent changes, for instance, uh, is not the idea. It's not a smart idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting. So this is something that was out and about on the internet today uh, that I found really interesting. Speaking of like mental health uh, in the LGBTQ community, um, this is somebody named Laura on Twitter writes, if anyone is interested, this is the letter I'm sending to my top surgeon. Mm-hmm. That's, um, you know, the surgery that you get to remove your breasts if you're trans, right? Right. She says, uh, Dear Dr. King and top surgery Midwest clinicians, I'm a former patient who you performed a double incision mastectomy on in 2017 when I was 20 years old. I'm writing to inform you in your office that I have detransitioned and no longer identify as male slash transgender and have returned to living fully as my biological female sex. I want to inform you that I fully regret having this surgery to have my breasts removed. My symptoms of gender dysphoria were the result of CPTSD from childhood abuse and my transgender identity was a mal adaptive coping mechanism to deal with the reality of the trauma. I have fully resolved my feelings of gender dysphoria through cognitive behavioral therapy and view the surgery and transition as a placebo that gave me only false hope of feeling better about myself. I 100% regret the surgical outcome of my body and miss having my healthy breasts. I was 20 when I had my identity crisis and I detransitioned two years later at 22. I believe I did not receive proper mental health screening by my psychiatrist who wrote my surgery recommendation letters because... Um, because they said I was mentally stable while I was actually suicidal and exhibiting symptoms of undiagnosed PTSD. I have found healing and community within the online population of other detransitioned women with similar experiences of trauma, and I want to inform you that I do not believe removing the breasts of young women, especially minors, is medically ethical, given the severe rates of comorbid mental health issues in the female-to-male population. Mm -hmm. I do not believe I was stable or mature at 20 to transition, and I don't think a minor child under 18 in any circumstance is stable or mature to consent to having her breasts removed. There is a rising number of detransition cases just like mine, as evidenced by the rapid increase of detrans stories on YouTube and the subreddit Detrans. I ask you to consider my story and the stories of others as your ethical duty as a clinician to first do no harm and rethink if removing healthy breasts of women and children so they can pretend to be men is physically or mentally doing no harm. Sincerely, your former patient, Laura. It's a pretty powerful story. Yeah, I mean, it's a tragedy. It is. It's it is. terrible. I mean, geez, I can't imagine. It's I- terrible. And I mean, I think there are some trans people who would say right away that they don't want to see people who aren't trans getting surgeries. But the question is, if we're starting to have an increase in people getting the surgeries and then an increase in people detransitioning, that, you know, we should really question the screening processes that are being used to determine whether or not people are, quote, really trans, if there is any such thing. And, like, how you can tell, is there any way to tell beforehand if someone is, quote, really, truly, deeply trans or just in some other kind of crisis? Right. That if there is some difference, like, what is it and can you determine it beforehand or not? Because otherwise, it's a problem that you're... (laughs) But but you know that physicians are either true believers or are scared. Yeah, they're terrified of getting called bigots. Right. So that I mean, I don't I don't know how all of this all of this passion came to this particular issue for a tiny niche, which is now because of a social contagion. Not a elements. tiny niche anymore. Right. 
I, I don't know how we all decided to be so incredibly freaking irrational about this one issue. And I think the story you, you hear is that trans people are dying. Trans people are killing themselves. It's a, it's a desperate situation for life and death, which precludes us from having any kind of debate on the issue. But it's unfreaking acceptable. And even though that there are activists out there who are destroying lives of people, there are activists out there whose life work, uh, where working with, pairing up with media, partnering with media, is to destroy people in their mm -hmm. livelihoods for daring to say things like this. Right. It's incredible. And it's incredible. Like, people try and shut up these women who detransition, too, and tell them that this, that them going out and saying publicly what happened to them and what they think about it, that that's damaging and hurtful and bigoted towards trans people. Mm -hmm. That that's somehow, like, yeah. that them just telling that the truth violence. about what happened to them is bigotry and that, that they shouldn't... Um, you know, go out there and say things like this, that yeah. it's dangerous and oh, yeah. feeds narratives of bigotry. But it's, I mean, it's toxic and dangerous, 100%. Isn't that the takeaway that anybody who tells you that you speaking freely about something will cost lives is a pernicious person? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I think that is the one of the uh, lessons of this whole thing. Thank you so much, everyone. If you are on Patreon with us, you can stick around because we're going to do the Patreon segment of the show afterwards. It's just for patrons. Um, you can, as always, find us for free on Twitter at Burn Barrel Pod, Facebook.com slash Burn Barrel Podcast. We're at Burn Barrel Podcast.com. You can email us, Burn Barrel Podcast at gmail.com. And we will uh, talk to you all again tomorrow. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.